This has got to be fake news, but it's not. It's real. It's happening. People who came to this country illegally broke 50 laws getting into this country are now suing America, and it looks like America is about to pay up. The Wall Street Journal broke this just a few hours ago. The United States in talks to pay hundreds of millions to families separated at the border. And from inside that story, reads as follows. We're talking about a half a million dollars per. The Biden administration is in talks to offer immigrant families that were separated during the Trump administration around $450,000 a person in compensation. Now, obviously, this is ludicrous. The political component here is to hurt President Trump, to tarnish his legacy. But Donald Trump's policies help prevent the crisis we're seeing right now. If we had stuck with it, his policies, the wall, we would not have the situation that we have right now, a permanent crisis at the border. The tough stance on immigration pre prevented these scenes. It was a deterrent. And now there is no reason for these families to not come because there is the belief and it's a valid belief that they will be accommodated by the Biden administration, $450,000 per family. We're not even going to take it to court. It looks like we're just going to settle. Remember, they're using this just to harm Trump, but they're harming themselves and they're harming our country with this ludicrous settlement. Uh, our government, by the way, as you know, vaccine mandates uh, catching on here in New York City, firefighters, police officers, those First responders who are hesitant about the vaccine, who want to exercise their own personal judgment, they're going to be fired tomorrow if they don't take the vaccine. All right. And we're talking about thousands and thousands of first responders who may be forced off the job. Here's the policy. And let's go through it, if you don't mind. Put that up on the screen. Here's a policy. Must have first shot by October 29th. That's tomorrow. If not immediate unpaid leave and there is no option for testing. Thousands of folks, first responders, are going to be lost. They're not going to come to work. They're going to be without pay. And they're upset, and they're rightfully so. So I've been saying that on November 1st, there's going to be a crisis in this city. If 30 to 40% of New York City firefighters are sent home, we will have to close houses. This is going to be a manufactured crisis. Firefighters and cops, by the way, uh, big protest today. Hey, by the way, this is a peaceful protest, everybody. This is a peaceful protest. Just a reminder that what we saw last year, they were not peaceful protests, all right? They led to this, looting all over the place. Uh, so the vaccine mandate, not popular, of course. Uh, nobody wants to be directed what to do uh, here in New York, across the country. Oh, take a look at this. In Chicago, they're letting Mayor Lightfoot know what they think of uh, vaccine mandates there. the stage, uh, the plumbers in this case. But uh, look, it's uh, it reveals a contempt that I believe the far left have for working class people, especially cops and firefighters. You got a sense of this last week 
when Joe Biden so kind of gleefully went along with the idea of firing first responders if they don't get the shot and listen to the audience. They eat it up when he says they should be fired. Should police officers, emergency responders be mandated to get vaccines? And if not, should they be stay at home or let go? Yes and yes. Uh... <laughs> yes and yes. And then, woo, that wasn't just a polite round of applause. That was whooping it up because they don't like us. They don't like working class people. It's pretty wild. And how much have we forgotten? Huh? 20 years ago, last month was a 20 year anniversary of September 11th. These guys... Cops, firefighters, first responders, those who run toward disaster, we won't let them make a decision about their health for themselves. I think that's terrible. And just a quick recap, because I believe Joe Biden and uh, Mayor de Blasio and others have forgotten, 343 firefighters died that day, untold many more uh, related to 9-11 cancer. 60 police officers died that day, and again, so many sickened, we don't know how many, uh, by their exposure. Uh, I haven't forgotten, but they have. How about more recently? All these guys, these first responders, men and women showing up during the pandemic. During the pandemic, we counted on them. And now, blowing them off, just turning our backs on them. And Joe, if you think anyone's hesitant about the vaccine, look yourself in the mirror. You have, a, you have some responsibility here. When we finally do, God willing, get a vaccine, who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's okay. I'm not being, I'm not being facetious. So this vaccine is less than a year old. Joe, you said that about a year ago. Uh, good point. Okay, actually, it's okay. People can have doubts about this. They're allowed to. This is still America. For you, President Biden, and for you, Vice President Harris. If the doctors tell us that we should take it, I'll be the first in line to take it. Absolutely. But if Donald Trump tells us I should that we should take it, I'm not taking it. These things, these kinds of comments, they plant seeds. They really do. Um, so if firefighters and police officers here in New York are forced to take that vaccine, and many choose to walk off the job instead, things are gonna get real bad here in New York, and things are already bad. It is a filthy city, beyond filthy, out of control. We've, uh, we've been suffering a long time, a long time under Mayor de Blasio. Filth and crime. Crime is a real problem. For a dozen years, nobody really gave much thought to crime. It was the safest city in America, and now, Everywhere you turn, you see something horrible. Uh, the latest viral video, an argument on a train leads to this. A uh, young woman in an argument with a very aggressive fellow, and shockingly, no one seems to care. Say to my face now. Say to my face now. Tell me to take a chill pill. Tell me, say the word chill pill. Take a chill pill, she said. Uh, that's probably what he should take once he gets to jail. Wasn't the worst thing in the world I ever heard. People said that in junior high school. The guy was obviously out of control. Take a chill pill. Boom. And nobody does anything, by the way. There's a bit of ooh and ah, and cell phones are rolling, but nobody does anything. Then listen to what he says next, the, uh, the perpetrator here, what's on his mind. And I wonder where he got some of these ideas. Mind your business. 
Mind your business, it ain't about being a role model, it's about getting my respect from people like you. All these other races out here, mind your business. What I thought, you looking for victims, I'm a suspect, you understand? Oh no. Suspect, I do out here. This is not. Mind your business. And when my family on the train, you wanna run so bad. out the way. And it's like, you can't even move it. He had a lot to say about race, and a lot of it is directly out of the Black Lives Matter propaganda and fake news phony narrative. They've done so much damage to this country. When we come back, some advice for Alec Baldwin and the rest of Hollywood. Check out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson. You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I, All can, I can say, say is, is that, that the fake news just, just doesn't, doesn't get it, do they? They don't. They don't. And if the fake news ever actually learn something about firearms instead of decrying them all the time and attacking the NRA, maybe that young woman on the film set with Alec Baldwin would be alive right now. Alec Baldwin looks like he made a fatal mistake. I do believe it was an accident. Doesn't mean he's criminally off the hook. It's a big problem, big problem. And he bears obviously some responsibility. What am I getting at here? Alec Baldwin has been a very well-known and prominent critic of the NRA. But instead of railing against them all the time, if only he had learned about the organization he was routinely attacking, this could have been avoided. First this. Have you ever thought about why the NRA and gun companies are fighting gun safety laws that would make my family, your family, all families safer? There is a new film which answers these questions and more called Making a Killing, Guns, Greed, and the NRA. Over 33,000 Americans were killed by guns in one year alone. We have to fight back. Wow. And now Alec Baldwin is a person responsible for the death of someone with a firearm. And instead of attacking the NRA and using these weapons in movies all the time, I'll get to that and a possible solution to some of this. He should have learned about weapons, and he could have done that from the NRA, the National Rifle Association. Take a look. Part of their mission statement, why they exist. They have programs such as youth education, law enforcement training, hunter education, conservation, firearms, and marksmanship training and safety. You know, at Boy Scout camp, when I was maybe 11 years old, I got a certificate in marksmanship from the National Rifle Association. Like, Three quarters of what we did was all about firearm safety. Alec Baldwin, unfortunately, never learned about firearm safety, it looks like. And so many celebrities, those who use guns all the time in movies and TV shows, they just don't know what they're talking about. But it's such an easy target. Jumping on, in Hollywood, the anti-firearms, anti-Second Amendment bandwagon. Columbine. Virginia Tech. Tucson. Aurora. Fort Hood. Oak Creek. Newtown. Enough. 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 It's time for our leaders to act. Demand a plan. Right now. Right now. You! Demand it! 
That's virtue signaling. Uh, most of them don't know anything about firearms. Hollywood has demonstrated that very vividly lately. And by the way, they love weapons as a literary tool. Uh, you know, they love grabbing a gun in their movies and TV shows. If only they knew something about weapons, though. Here's an idea. I don't think they can be trusted with weapons on movie sets, all right? So why not go with toy guns? Seriously, there are some really realistic, very realistic toy guns out there. See the one in the top middle there? I had that as a kid. That's a Marks uh, M16. And uh, all these things, they look real, and I think they can put in sound effects in uh, post. So we've lost two people in Hollywood when they did not know how to handle weapons. Uh, this latest case with Alec Baldwin, Brandon Lee, the uh, son of Bruce Lee, unnecessary. Hollywood can't be trusted with weapons. Unfortunately, I think it's time for a change. Maybe toy guns. All right. And now this, a $10 million reverse discrimination settlement. That's David Duval, a marketing vice president from North Carolina, awarded $10 million from the hospital that fired him and replaced him with two women. Now, one of those women happened to be black. Duval sued Novant Health, where he'd worked for five years as a senior vice president of marketing and communications. He received very positive reviews. He says he was inexplicably terminated just days before reaching his five-year work anniversary, a milestone that would have given him a higher severance payout than what he was given. The two women here, Kate Everett, a white woman who had worked with him and was promoted to take over the role of chief PR and communications officer, and Vicki Free, a black woman who was given the role of chief marketing officer. Now, Duval said that while both women were qualified for the job, they were no more qualified than he was. Uh, his attorney said he was fired out of the clear blue sky because he was a white man and that the move the company made was in keeping with their diversity and inclusion plan. Uh, so, $10 million for this fellow. Seems like some people are waking up from all this wokeness. We'll be right back with important information about January 6th. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. Who's the opposite? Do you want your house back? Take it! So now that Afghanistan is becoming a distant memory for the media and most Americans, unfortunately, it's back to hyping the heck out of January 6th. They're at it again. Remember these cops over the summer, uh, the four Trump haters that they found? Learning some interesting things about these guys. Number one, definitely Trump haters way before January 6th. I'd like to show you a picture of uh, Officer Dunn from his Instagram page. Apparently he's breaking the law here. That's Dunn. Now take a look at what we got here on the t-shirt. That's Colin Kaepernick, who seems to be kneeling on President Trump's neck a la George Floyd. Now, George Floyd, of course, died, and this would seem to suggest uh, the killing of Donald Trump. This depiction is against the law, actually, uh, especially if you're a law enforcement officer. According to the Secret Service, we can put this up. Section 879 of Title 18 prohibits knowing and willful threats to kill, kidnap, or inflict bodily harm against the following categories of persons who are protected by the United States Secret Service. In Category C, former presidents of the United States. And if we could take a look at that picture 
one more time. I would say arguably that's a threat. There's something very, very wrong with a law enforcement officer wearing this shirt. Of course, this guy has no business representing law enforcement in a public forum as he did this summer. Again, he qualified because he's a Trump hater. Uh, here goes. I use an analogy to describe what I want as a hitman. If a hitman is hired and he kills somebody, the hitman goes to jail. But not only does the hitman go to jail, but the person who hired them does. There was an attack carried out on January 6th, and a hitman sent them. Interesting theory. Uh, he said something else that day that I believe is a flat-out lie. You know there are cameras all over the place, security cameras, everybody was walking around with a cell phone. A lot of cops have body cameras. Yet I didn't hear about this until he said it. Hmm. I voted for Joe Biden. Does my vote not count? Am I nobody? That prompted a torrent of racial epithets. One woman in a pink MAGA shirt yelled, you hear that, guys? This voted for Joe Biden. Then the crowd, perhaps around 20 people, joined in screaming, boo, fucking I flat out don't believe him. That is not a true story. Not a true story. Um, show me the evidence, huh? There were security cameras everywhere, cell phone cameras. A lot of cops have body cameras. Didn't hear anything like that. Uh, next up, the four cops. Uh, another one who you haven't heard as much about. His name is Hodges. He's right next to Dunn. He's in the new documentary, and he loves to talk about uh, January 6th protesters as terrorists. That's, that's his go-to word, terrorists. The mob of terrorists were coordinating their efforts now, shouting, heave, ho, as they synchronized, pushing their weight forward, crushing me further against the metal doorframe. The man in front of me grabbed my baton that I still held in my hands, and in my current state, I was unable to retain my weapon. He bashed me in the head and face with it, rupturing my lip and adding additional injury to my skull. Additional injury to his skull. Let's take a look at him a week and a half later as he did interviews with major networks. Uh, his lip looks fine. His face looks fine. I see no signs of injury at all. Now, I know that he did injure his lip that day. It looks like it healed very, very fast. Something is not adding up. But again, back to the terrorists. These are terrorists. You got to make this you got to make this day sound worse. You got to call them terrorists. Another woman who was part of the mob of terrorists laying siege to the capital of the United States. As we came close to the terrorists, I backtracked and started pulling the terrorists off my team from their backpacks. Terrorists were breaking apart the metal fencing and bike racks into individual pieces, presumably to use as weapons. There were over 9,000 of the uh, terrorists out there. Well, these so-called terrorists, and they weren't terrorists, but uh, no guns, no bombs. I'd like to tell you about somebody who did use bombs publicly. He's admitted to it, and he's a friend of Barack Obama's. A name from the past you may remember. Barack Obama hung around a lot with a guy named Bill Ayers, who is currently, I believe, a professor in Illinois at the University of Illinois. Uh, Barack Obama started his political career in Bill Ayers' living room. Yes, he did. Barack Obama's first run for the Illinois State Senate was launched at a 1995 gathering at the house of Bill Ayers and his wife. Now, Bill Ayers was a founder of the Weathermen, 
a terrorist group, an avowed terrorist group. And uh, guess what? They destroyed things. They actually detonated a bomb at the Capitol in the early 1970s. In the early 1970s, they also detonated the bomb over at the Pentagon. These are the ones that we know that he was associated with. There are many, many others, perhaps. He wishes they were more. On September 11th of all days in 2001, he said, I don't regret setting bombs. I feel we didn't do enough. And again, <laughs> this man is an ally of Barack Obama, and Barack Obama started his political career right in Bill Ayers' living room, a man who makes no apologies for being a terrorist. Coming up, firefighters and police officers order to take the vaccine or else they may lose their job tomorrow. Be right back. Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. Firefighters and cops uh, are heroes, especially, hey, 20 years ago after 9-11. Uh, how could we do enough for these guys? Well, it's a long time, I guess. Everybody seems to have forgotten and have a new view of things. Police, firefighters even, became somehow the bad guys seemingly overnight. Here in New York, there is a policy that they must be vaccinated by tomorrow, October 29th, or they will be placed on unpaid leave immediately. A vaccine mandate, no option for testing. Thousands of firefighters uh, do not like this. I do not like this. Even those who are pro-vaccine, they don't want it to be forced. Here's the union chief, Andrew Ansbro, speaking today at a big protest. This city is gonna look very different on November 1st when the mayor is forced to, well, the mayor is going to force firefighters to not get on the rigs. You're going to see dozens and dozens of firehouses closed. You're going to see response times climb. It is inevitable. Lives are going to be lost. That is irrefutable. Wow. Andrew Ansbro joins us right now, the FDNY Uniform Firefighters Association president. Welcome to Newsmax, sir. Thanks for having me, Greg. You bet. What kind of numbers are we talking about here? First of all, how many firefighters are there in the department and how many do you think will be affected by this who won't be vaxxed? Well, there's about 11,000 uniform members, 3,000 officers, about 8,200, 8,300 firefighters. Uh, last I heard, we have about 40% of the firefighters are still unvaccinated. Uh, I don't think anyone's changed their minds. So if the mayor sticks to his guns, 40% of New York City firefighters are going to be sent home on Monday. That does not seem uh, at all tenable. You can't run a fire department in the city this Absolutely big. Absolutely not. Right. So uh, what's going to happen? Uh, what's, what well, do you... keep, keep in mind that the numbers are similar in the NYPD and EMS. So for anyone that thinks that, you know, we work on a lot of the medical runs with EMS. Uh, we, on average, we actually get to most runs a little bit faster than EMS based on the fact that we have a lot more units out there. Uh, so, well, you'll have a heart attack run that uh, normally on average would take us, you know, seven minutes to get to or eight minutes for EMS. So now if, if you take a third of the units offline, 
you know, that that heart attack run, it could be a 12-minute, 15, 20-minute run. Uh, that patient is out of the window of survivability. There's no question about it. All right. You know, the average from last year, there was 30,000 cardiac runs. Only 32% survived. Now, what do you think is going to happen when the response time goes to the roof? You know, there's a direct correlation between response time and survivability. That's never been questioned. The president of the United States seems totally on board with the idea of dismissing first responders. He spoke at a town hall. This came up, and I was very surprised at the audience reaction, by the way. Listen to the question, listen to his answer, and then the reaction. Should police officers, emergency responders, be mandated to get vaccines? And if not, should they be stay at home or let go? Yes and yes. Uh Yes and yes, mandated and stay home or let go if they're not vaccinated. And then the audience kind of goes wild. Any thoughts on that? Well, that's very distressing. Uh, Actually, on the government's website, uh, whitehouse.gov, there is a testing option on the website. Any business with over 100 employees, uh, they're asking for them to have a vaccine or test plan. This is a plan that the mayor gave us two weeks ago, three weeks ago, when he ran the plan by testing all the unvaccinated members it ended up that only half, one half of 1% was actually sick. And right now, there's about 40-some-odd firefighters that are out on COVID leave, one, uh, one half of 1% of the job. And for every one firefighter out on COVID-related, in, uh, COVID-related illness, there's 16 firefighters out on injuries due to firefighting. There is not a crisis. By the way, we want to remind everybody, you guys were coming to work during the pandemic, and so were cops. When everybody, right, the heart of it, you guys were still showing up for work. Everybody else was told to stay home. And I know a lot of firefighters and cops got sick when COVID was at its peak. Here's de Blasio, who no one is ever accused of being an effective manager, uh, speaking about uh, what's happening. Uh, Let's go ahead and play that, please. These are agencies that have been preparing for months Uh, Every one of the commissioners has been absolutely confident uh, that they can make the adjustments. And every one of the commissioners has adamantly wanted us to move forward with a vaccine mandate. So I feel ready. The the commissioners, his lackeys, in other words, the people he appointed to these jobs. uh, You you don't get that. You don't get that job speaking your own language. Right. Speak his language. So, look, you're very close to this uh, and you've been around for a while is he going to blink? I mean, this does not, as I said earlier, seem tenable. You can't have everybody go home. Is he realizing that we can't go forward with this mandate, which, by the way, may or may not be legal, it looks like, according to the, the testing option that the White House uh, is still recognizing? What's well, gonna... they recognize that for private businesses. They don't recognize that for public employees. All right. So uh, but, right. You know, two sets of two sets of standards. What's going to happen? I mean, I, I think this is unprecedented, a test on this scale. Uh, what, what's your next move? What, what's going to happen? Well, you know, based on statistics and what happens in a day, daily basis in New York City, based on last year, there's 65 serious fires every single day. Last year, there was 1,400 life-threatening medical emergencies every day. On average, there was 80 heart attacks every single day. If you're willing to add minutes to these response times, you're willing to put people in the graveyard. And this mandate is going to kill people. If, if he does not allow more time and forces firefighters, EMTs, 
and police officers to go home and not give the, the level of service that New York City deserves and expects, the results are going to be disastrous. The commissioner of your department, man by the name of Daniel Nigro, put out this statement. The department must manage the unfortunate fact that a portion of our workforce has refused to comply with a vaccine mandate for all city employees. Must manage, meaning they're kind of uh, they're going to go along with this and they're going to make do with uh, 40 percent fewer people. I don't know how that's going to work out. Let me ask you this. There's an election. Well, let, me, let me just say this. Sure. Uh, there were still some engineers trying to manage the Titanic <laughs> as it was filling up with water. Right, right. Uh, Tuesday happens to be an election day here in New York City. Curtis right. Sliwa is running for mayor uh, against Eric Adams. Eric Adams is an ally of de Blasio. He is for the mandate. And uh, Curtis Sliwa thinks it should be your choice and there should be a testing option. Everybody is very fired up here. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if this could have or should have a big impact on Tuesday. Well, based on the overwhelming demographics in New York City, I don't think this is going to play any role whatsoever in the mayor's race. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Uh, what about, look, well, what about your members? I mean, they vote, right? Come on. Well, we're a small union, and uh, they I'm, I'm sure this is going to be uh, heavy on their hearts when they make, you know, cast their votes. Uh, with early voting, a lot of the votes have already been cast. You know, this election may already be over. Well, I see a lot of folks who turned out, and it's been underplayed by the media. Very big protest today, ignored. And by the way, just so everybody can be reminded, this is what a peaceful protest looks like. We'll be watching. We'll be waiting. I'm rooting for you guys. Andrew Ansbro, FDNY Uniform Firefighters Association president. The deadline is tomorrow. All must be vaccinated or else unpaid leave, which to me sounds like firing. What is unpaid leave, by the way? They had to create it. It doesn't exist. Uh, they don't want to suspend people. Uh, they, they, you know, believe it or not, they're handling it from uh, from their end as best as they can. This is a mayoral mandate, but they are going to continue your medical benefits. So until the person makes the decision to get vaccinated, they will have medical benefits. But I've been talked to a lot of members that just plan on being out a long time. OK, they're not going to comply. I don't think they understand the resolve of people on this issue. I admire that. Mr. Ansbro, let's keep in touch. Thank you very much. Our best to your members. We'll be right back. Hey, look at this. Sean Spicer, who anchors Spicer and Company at 6 p.m. Eastern time, right before my show, has a book. A book, another one. He's already a New York Times bestselling author. It's called Radical Nation, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's dangerous plan for America. I already have my copy. Thank you very much, Sean Spicer. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. It's, it's great. I think this is a first. I'm so excited to join you. You know, I get off air and normally go home and I get to stick around and be with you. That's fantastic. Uh, don't overdo it, okay? Because I've got a beef with you, and we'll get to that eventually. I, all, right. all right. No, no, listen, listen. Seriously, congratulations on the book. Thank you. And um, I do have to ask you one thing, though. You left this on my desk, and it's personally inscribed to me. What does it this is. gibberish mean? I cannot understand your handwriting to save my life. 
Well, I, obviously, I just thank you for your support and, and your friendship, Greg. So I'll have to, I'll, I'll print out a little separate thing next time. I have a feeling you might have put a couple, a different message in there. I don't, I have no, I'm not sure, Sean. I have a feeling you might be saying something else. But seriously, congratulations, Radical Nation. Um, tell us. I mean, we know that what's being done, but right. give, us, give us a preview. Look, I, I don't, I mean, we talk about it every day on, on, on my show and on your show, but I mean, the direction that we're going in, the people that surround this administration uh, are, are not qualified. They're taking us in the wrong direction. And then the policies, I mean, think about it. The president today, Greg, said that this bill, this spending is intended to transform the nation. I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that it's a radical nation. That's where they're taking us if we don't stop it. And I think part of what we need to do is to continue to call it out and to tell people, look, if you don't get involved, if you don't get your voice heard, we're going to end up with a country that we don't recognize in a few years. Sean, you are an expert at getting your voice heard. And what, what would you recommend for people out there? And I wrestle with this myself. We know what's happening. There are too few of us, by the way, and you do a great job calling it out. What is the call for action? Is it writing letters to our members of Congress? Is it being active on social media? What can people do? Yes, yes, and yes. The last chapter in the book, chapter 20, is a conservative action plan. So if you're a young person, think about joining Turning Point USA, the Young Americas Foundation, Campus Reform. If you're an older person, go to a school board hearing. Heck, run for a school board position. We're looking at those folks just south of where I live in Loudoun County, Virginia, going out there, getting involved. So many of these people were never involved, Greg, but they're going out there. They don't like what they see. They're having their voice heard, and they're having an effect on policy. That's that's the point. If we get out there, if we take action, if we tweet, if we put videos on YouTube, then things can happen. But the point of Radical Nation is to give people a roadmap of what's happening and how they can actively engage in the process to stop it. Well, it sounds awesome. Hey, by the way, uh, so far, the book is being very well received. I understand tomorrow you're going out to California and you're sitting down with Bill Maher. Now, Bill Maher is a smart guy. He's entertaining. He's crazy liberal. And I have a feeling he's going to come after you. Uh, and you know he likes to drop the F-bombs. Are you ready for that? Do you, how do you prepare for a Bill Maher sit-down? Uh, you know, you're right. I mean, look, I, I've, I, I, you have to go places to sell a book, right? That's what you do. Uh, and I'm going to sit down with him and, and go through it. But I'm going to make a strong case as I do in the book. I mean, look, I don't think you have to be a, a if, whether you're a liberal or not, I'm going to ask a simple question. Tell me one thing that's going well in this administration. Name one thing. Name one agency that's being run well. They can't. So I think, frankly, the funny thing is he can come at me, and I know he will. But at the end of the day, I think if you're willing to defend this administration, you're going to have to explain why. And I think I've got the ammunition and Radical Nation explains why I'm on the right side of history on this. Yes, I believe you are most certainly. Uh, one area of the government that is not functioning well right now is the White House press office. Uh, one of your <laughs> successors, Jen Psaki, has proven herself to be uh, uniquely weird in a lot of different respects. Here's a quick highlight roll, a high, highlight reel, if you don't mind. Let's go ahead and play that. Thank you, everyone. Polling. The president's polling continues to collapse. Is Emerald, he aware of really that? Like shout it again. Next time we'll do it during the briefing. While she was there, like many Americans, she got a snack. I think she's allowed to do that. I don't have anything more for you. I think I 
don't appreciate the like putting words in my mouth. That wasn't what my effort was. And I think we're going to keep going along. Go ahead. Emerald, I think we've spent plenty of time with you today. Go ahead. Why is the Biden administration Emerald, what? Emerald, let's give some other people more time here, okay? Well, we went through this journey together yesterday. Uh, look, I don't think she's particularly adept at the job. There she is blowing off our own Emerald Robinson a lot. Right. What's your assessment, um, seriously, of her job? I, mean, I know we put together, you know, some unfortunate moments there. But overall, what do you think? Look, when I was press secretary, I walked into a group of hyenas every day. They were jumping up and down, waving their hands, yelling at me. She walks in, and it's like a bunch of Greenwich school prep school kids with their hands folded saying, Miss Saki, can I have a question, and then can I go to the bathroom at snack time? Uh, it's embarrassing, and you see her in those things. It looks like she's literally a schoolteacher, calling on children, scolding them when they ask her anything that she doesn't find as part of the script. And I think that's what they're used to. She was a colleague of theirs at CNN. She thinks of them as colleagues and friends, not not as someone who's coming in there expecting to be pressed on the failures, on the double standards, on the hypocrisy. And there's quite a difference, and anybody can see it with their own eyes, the difference between how we were treated in the Trump White House and how they are treated. But, it, it, I mean, it's such a vastly different press corps that's in there. They are truly an extension of the White House press office. And I was blown away by... <laughs> Well, maybe I shouldn't say that because Chris Wallace, uh, I quite frankly, as a journalist, as a media personality, I have very little regard for. But he gave this review recently of uh, Jen Psaki. Jen Psaki, I think, is uh, one of the best press secretaries ever. Um, we all know that Chris Wallace is, uh, you know, <laughs> a little deranged, but... Uh, where is that coming from? Is that, do you think, he wants to get in good with her or stay on her good side so she can, he can get guests? Is that the game that's being played? I think that's part of it. Look, I wish I had Chris Wallace as a professor in college because he's clearly grading on a curve. <laughs> uh, I, I just I, the thing that I think is so funny is what, what with all due respect, what challenge has Jen Psaki faced? I've said before I used to I admire Ari Fleischer a ton because during 9-11 through that crisis, he was a calm uh, and professional presence in the briefing room that guided us through a national crisis. I don't know what Jen has done aside from scold people from asking tough questions. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right. So, look. Let's take care of the elephant in the room that uh, people are noticing on social media. Uh, many people in the company know that my door is always open to them at any time, but I have it one is. strict prohibition. I have a beautiful chair there. They can come and visit me anytime, but they can't sit in my chair. I, this chair means a lot to me. It's my favorite chair. As you can see, it's a recliner. Recently, you were in New York uh, on a book tour, and that's great, Sean. But you sat in my chair, and you did so in a very defiant way, I believe. Very provocative. I think we have a picture of you. Yes. Had a long weekend promoting your book, and you took advantage of my open-door policy. Sean, I must say, I do think you took advantage of, uh, of my hospitality, and I'm taken aback. But I left you a book, right? I mean, that was nice of me, right? I left you a book. So you didn't even have to go on Amazon to buy it I, I, or, or to Barnes & Noble or Costco. You got a free book. I needed a place to sit and relax after promoting Radical Nation so much. And look, Greg, I'll make this offer to you. When you come to Washington, D.C., to our fair city, any chair that you want to relax in, it's yours. The offer right now extended to you. Well, as you can see, I'm very particular about my chairs, and I need a chair to those specifications, not one of your rinky-dink chairs down there in the D.C. Bureau. I've been there. I've seen it. I'm not impressed. But, John, 
no problem. You did leave me a copy of this book, personally signed, and I do thank you. And by the way, it is a great public service. There's some real gems. You haven't in looked here. under the I, I, you haven't looked under the cushions yet, have you? Oh gosh, what the what the, Sean? I was, all right, never oh, mind. Boy. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sean, no problem, no problem. I know you're kidding. I hope you're kidding. One more time, everybody. The book is Radical Nation, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's Dangerous Plan for America by Sean Spicer, New York Times bestselling author and a great former White House press secretary. Sean, thank you. And by the way, folks, here's a way you can get Sean Spicer's book for free. Uh, subscribe to the Newsmax magazine. It's very easy. Call the number 800-398-5284. A great monthly magazine with Mark Levin on the cover. All right. Uh, or go to RadicalNation911.com slash NMX. You can subscribe. You'll get the book. And uh, this is a real gem. I highly recommend it. So thank you for watching and uh, see you soon. Oh, I got one more word. I'll be back in a moment. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. Let's go, Brandon. Pandemic ain't real. They just Joe Biden about to walk off the job once again, not taking any questions. That's okay because a great song is sweeping the nation. Let's go, Brandon. Let's pump up the volume a little bit, please, if you don't mind. These politicians are demons just in disguise. This is a, by a guy named uh, Bryson, up-and-coming rapper. Let's go, Brandon. You get the joke, right? We all know what he's talking about. Let's go, Brandon is sweeping the nation. Take a look at the iTunes chart. Uh, the top uh, ten, I think three or four of them are Let's Go, Brandon mixes, okay? Various versions of Let's Go, Brandon. And obviously, that is a message to Joe Biden, a special message expressing how a lot of us feel about him. Let's Go, Brandon. And uh, continued success, Bryson. The lyrics are actually pretty clean, most of them, and very clever. We'll see you tomorrow. Stand by for Stinchfield. And don't forget, Spicer. Good guy, good book. See you tomorrow. Let's go, Brandon. Pandemic ain't real, they just planned it. Hey, hey, let's go, Brandon. You ask questions, they start banning. Hey, hey, let's go, Brandon.